What's up everybody? This is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are starting chapter 8 today as Paul shifts gears and pulls a major subject change. And you got to remember that at the end of chapter 7, he tells of the joy that he has at the Corinthians' repentance. And so even though it's a subject change, it's still very much uh, in line with what he's talking about and where he's trying to lead these people to. Probably not going to finish the whole chapter today, but Paul makes a bold move to see how genuine that repentance is in the first section of chapter 8. So let's start reading together and see why this is such a bold move. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. Read this with me. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what, a, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. All right, so in chapter 8, Paul begins and he talks about the kindness of God to the churches in Macedonia. So before we talk about the kindness, um, I just kind of want to talk about uh, where Macedonia is in relation to the church in Corinth because when we started this book, you know, Paul was um, in Macedonia or, yeah, he was doing ministry there and he he was very alarmed and so uh, Paul is actually writing this letter from Macedonia and so he's talking about what's going on there and so Macedonia was the northern part of Greece and the churches that were... Uh, were there uh, were were pretty prominent churches. So so you have like the Church of Berea, the Church of Philippi, the Church of Thessalonica, and uh, Corinth was in the southern part of Greece, and so that was known as Achaia. But Paul is communicating to the Corinthians what God has done in the people's hearts in northern Greece, and this is kind of it's a little bit of a twofold thing. Number one, it's always good to know what God is doing in people's hearts because it inspires us. Uh, to do well when we know God is working and moving in people's lives, that God can work and move in our life in the same way. Uh, if you also know the Greek people, they were very competitive. Um, you think about the Olympic Games, I mean, that was very much a Greek thing. They were always competing against one another. And so perhaps this is a way to just kind of inspire the, 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 the Corinthians with a little bit of Greek competition, um, not to be outdone by their brothers and sisters in Christ. And you got to remember that the Greeks were, they, they were pretty competitive. Well, anyway, Paul talks about the kindness of the Lord. And, and basically, that is just referring to the work that God had done in the hearts of the people that made up all those churches in Macedonia. Now, this work or this kindness that God's done in their life has really motivated them to give above and beyond 
what they could afford or what they could do. And that's really important because um, the the churches in Macedonia, they were really struggling. Like They were being put through the gauntlet. They were extremely poor, uh, but yet they wanted to give to the Christians in Jerusalem who were having a much more difficult time than everyone else. And not only did they give appropriately or proportionately to what they have, but they also gave above and beyond what they had, even though they were very poor. So Paul um, is testifying to this because he was there whenever the Macedonians were giving their gifts, when they were giving their financial gifts. And so Paul witnessed this firsthand how they were given above and beyond, even though it seems that Paul and his companions tried to say no don't worry about that they were still they insisted on giving above and beyond and so the reason why this is connected okay so paul's talking about this gift that he's now he's encouraging the corinthians to finish giving this gift is because back in first corinthians chapter 16 this is referred to and uh it doesn't seem uh that that the Corinthians ever really finished this, okay? Like, I think that's really important to understand. Um, early on, the Church of Corinth was the first ones who wanted to give, and they were the first ones who started giving, but they quit um, because of all the stuff that was going on, all, all the all the arguments, all the the differences, all the pettiness that was going on that Paul was addressing. So, um it's kind of disappointing because you look at the Corinthians and the Corinthians are much better off than the Macedonians. The Corinthians are much more wealthy. It's a much wealthier area. And we know that from uh, from from secular records that the Macedonia area was very poor. Apparently when Rome conquered Greece, uh, they really did a number on the southern part, but for whatever reason, uh, Corinth uh, did better due to its location with the two ports on both sides. And so it, it was just a totally different world. And it's kind of disappointing that the Corinthians were not giving because they were very able to and the Macedonians wouldn't. So Paul acknowledges um, their well-doing at the beginning of verse 7 as he talks about them excelling in many ways. And Paul wants them to excel at giving as well. And it's, it's important to note that some scholars believe that Paul's being sarcastic in verse 7 as, as he's already chastised the Corinthians uh, for thinking more highly of themselves than they should. However, if you follow the attitude of Paul leading up to this point, He's showing joy and thankfulness for the reconciliation. He's very happy that they have repented. Um, and he seems to genuinely want them to kind of cross the threshold back to good standing with all the churches and with himself as an apostle. Now, in order to do that, giving is a huge part of being a follower of God. And, and um, just to kind of give you an inside track, as to what the sermon is going to be about on Sunday morning. Uh, you know, we started our series on stewardship, and so this is our second sermon. We're going to be talking about God's nature as a giver. You know, God is the creator, and he's the first giver of all things. And so he gave all of creation to his creation uh, to be managed by us. And so we're going to talk about God's nature as a giver. 
Now, as followers of Christ, we are to exemplify God, and that means to have a giving nature as well. And worldly people would uh, argue and try to make Paul out to be a con artist, like a lot of pastors, to motivate them to give money. And, like, you know, people always say, well, pastors just always talk about money and blah, blah, blah. And it's really sad to say that, yes, there are some pastors that are con artists. Like, there's always hypocrites. Like, you, you, you can look at any profession in the world, and yes, there are people who do that profession a disservice, whether it's being a cop or a teacher or a construction worker or a car salesman, whatever it is that you want to name, there are people out there, whatever job you do, there are people who work that job alongside of you every day that you would say they are a disgrace to that profession. So yes, those people are out there, but giving is an important part of being a follower of Christ. And if a truly good pastor is going to encourage the congregation to give generously because we are called to be the visible representation of Christ on this earth, to, to be visible representatives of our Heavenly Father. And as Paul has said in previous chapters, we are God's ambassadors and we represent Him in all things, especially in giving. Now, it's also important to know that as Paul is talking about them giving now, he's not commanding them to give. He doesn't tell them, hey, if you don't give, you're going to hell. Paul's never saying that. He's simply encouraging them to do this as a gesture that basically the hatchet is buried and we're moving forward. We're, we're establishing trust between us once again. And you got to think about that. You know, giving is an enormous display of trust. Um, God giving us things is an enormous display of trust. He's trusting us to manage his what he has given us. For us as people to give is a huge trust and act of faith to God because we're trusting that God will honor our gifts, will reward our gifts, will pay us back in a lot of ways Like because Scripture talks about that. So it's a huge act of faith, but also... It's a huge display of trust when you give to other people. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't give to anything or anyone that I don't trust. I don't give to any ministry that I don't trust. And I have to have confidence in the mission, in the purpose, in the calling of God on this ministry, on the person who's leading that ministry, and everyone involved. And Paul is wanting to see if their claims of repentance are genuine or just for show. You know, money is one of the most difficult things for people to let go of, and it will be the telltale of how they truly feel. And and remember, the money is not going to Paul. The money is going to the Christians in Jerusalem who are really getting the snot kicked out of them by the Romans and by the Jews in Jerusalem. So this is a really big deal. Um, the, the Christians in, in Jerusalem are really struggling. And so the, all the apostles are encouraging all the churches around to send money to Jerusalem to support these people and to love on them. So let's continue on in verses 9 through 15, and um, we'll keep going. So, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he can make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. 
Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. All right. So um, let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, I mean, right here at the beginning of the section in verse 9, Paul pulls out the Jesus card, and he reminds the Corinthians that um, if you claim to be a believer in Christ, that Jesus himself was God's son who was rich. He, he was God. He denied his, his aspects of God to become human for our benefit, okay? For our sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, all of us could become rich. And, and there's, there's great truth in, in what Paul was saying. He's like, look, we all owe it to give to God and to give to other believers because God has given so much to us. If not anything else but his one and only son, it was worth that. And, and think about this. Jesus died for us. Do we not owe him for that death? Do, do you not feel, if you claim to be a believer, do you not feel some sort of obligation to give back to Christ? And if you don't, you really need to check your life and your devotion and your belief in that. Because no amount of money could ever repay the debt that Christ died on the cross in our place. We should have been the one to die there, but Christ died for us. And he sacrificed himself for us so that you and I could have physical life. But more importantly, he died so that you and I could have eternal life. And so we are not just in this world indebted to Christ, we are forever indebted to Christ because he has given us physical life, which we could not pay for, but he's also given us eternal life, which we will never be able to pay for. And that's a very humbling thing to to realize and to contemplate. And Paul, you know, uses this. He says, look, Christ died for you. Remember the gift that Jesus gave and because Jesus gave it, we should be willing to give it as well. And Paul reveals in this passage that just a year ago, the Corinthians were the first ones that wanted to give. And they were the first ones that began giving. But they stopped all their giving when the shenanigans began, when they started arguing with each other, when there was all the divisions, all the immorality in the church. And then they started accepting in these false teachers and false apostles and all the stuff started going on, they quit giving. So Paul advises them to go back and complete what they set out to do in the beginning. Now, this is a really good time to talk about the importance of completing things, especially things that God calls us to do, not just all things in life, but especially the things God calls us to do. Now, it's easy to get excited about something in the beginning. Most people get really excited about stuff when they hear about it, but very few people can can finish things that, that take a significant amount of time without um, 
losing excitement, without losing heart, without losing interest and focus on it. And so this is why a lot of people just don't finish things in general. And it's a very big reason why a lot of people who uh, start things in the name of Christ don't finish them because it's hard and we will face frustrations and hardships and difficulties. And because of those, many people give up and they never complete the things that God has called them to do. So as believers, we have to not forget to finish what God has called us to do. Okay, Paul is reminding the believers of what they felt led to do in the beginning, just over a year ago. And he's calling them back to finish that. So so simply finish what God started in your hearts a year ago. Follow the example of the Macedonians. Uh, allow God to do the work in your life, to, to see the kindness of God work and move in you. So Paul isn't urging them to give in excess, but rather he's encouraging them to give in access. And I don't know if that's a proper term or not, but I think it makes sense. You know, don't give in excess. Don't give necessarily above and beyond what you have, but rather give what you have access to. You know, give in proportionate. Whatever's available and whatever you're capable of doing should be given with eagerness. And that's important to understand that when we give to God, we should give in eagerness. We should want to. It shouldn't be begrudgingly offered to the Lord. And I will be honest with you guys. You know, when I first got saved and I first started coming to church, and I've probably talked about this before. You've probably heard me talk, say it a hundred times. I can remember, <coughs> excuse me, when I first started tithing and, and giving money to the church. I mean, this was long before I went into the ministry. It was really difficult. Um, I did not like it. But I, I believed in Scripture, and, and I read the Bible, and, and I made a decision early on to just believe what Scripture said. And so I began tithing, and, and, you know, in the beginning, I will admit, like, it was a little begrudgingly, but now I do not give begrudgingly because, number one, I have joy in my relationship with the Lord, but number two... I have seen how God has paid me back time after time after time again and again and again. And God has blessed me with more than I deserve and more than I ever thought I'd have. Now, some of you may not feel that way. Some of you may not have that same experience that I have. But I believe that if we give to the Lord, that God will give us the joy in, in our hearts to give to him as we continue to give. And I encourage you to step out on faith and do that as Paul is urging them to do the same. Now, verse 14 seems to indicate that uh, the, the sincerity of Paul in this letter, once again, you know, we talked about verse 7 maybe being a little sarcastic, but I think verse 14 is kind of affirming the sincerity of Paul as he acknowledges the Corinthians and the fact that they're doing well, and they're more than able to provide for others that do not have anything. And um, in finishing out the section, Paul indicates that God is going to work all this out. You know, he's like, look, give what you can give, and that's all you can do. It takes faith to trust in that. It takes faith to trust in God that just give. And it takes faith to trust that God's going to work it all out and that God's going to provide and that God will return the gift at an appropriate time. And Paul finishes up the section by quoting a verse from Exodus 16, verse 18. 
And it's talking about the people of Israel gathering the manna from heaven in the wilderness. And he, he uses the verse that says, Everyone who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and everyone who gathered only a little had enough. And we got to remember that God has kind of designed everything for him to be the provider, that no matter how hard we try or how little we might have at any given moment, that we can always go to him and trust him to give us what we need, that we'll always have enough. And it takes a lot of faith to do that. Like, I'm not going to say that I'm a master at just trusting in God and relying on him. I have not mastered that, but I'm getting better as I get older. I'm getting better through experience and through personal testimony and seeing God work and move. But we have to trust in God in providing for us, and we have to trust in him in taking care of us as well. And uh, it takes faith to do that. And so um, just for something from this passage of Paul encouraging the Corinthians to just be generous givers and to continue to give like they were led to do a year ago, you know, something you can just take away and apply to your life from this Bible study today is just know that that God loves you. God wants to provide for you. He wants to give you enough. But at the same time, God wants you to give and to trust in Him that even though you give, He will still provide. And we don't have to worry about running out if we're giving to others and being generous in the name of Christ. That That's what God's called us to do. And we have to trust and believe that as we are generous and as we represent Christ, that God will honor us and God will take care of us through all this so that we can repeat the process. Because it would stink if we could just only give one time and honor God once. But no, we have to have faith that God wants us to honor Him with our lives. And God wants us to give in the name of Christ and, and give with the nature of God as a giver throughout our whole lives. So in theory, just from a philosophical point of view, it only makes sense that God would continue to give to you so that you can give to others. So just take that with you. This is a great time to stop. So let's pray together and we'll finish up the chapter next week. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for this day. And thank you for everything you bless us with. Lord, we love you. And we're so grateful and thankful for all that you've done. Lord, I pray that you continue to guide us in our lives. Lord, we ask for blessings. We ask for you to take care of us. But Lord, we also ask that you would give us your heart so that we would want to be givers as well. Help us to never hoard or gather more than we need. But Lord, help us to always be looking for the opportunity to give and to invest in other people and that we would just trust in you, that you would keep bringing it back to us so we can continue to give. Lord, we love you. We thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. As always, we're so glad you're a part of the Graham family, and we hope to see you at services this weekend. But if you can't make it on campus, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.